0: The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, non-fiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known, and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. Welcome into another episode of the Story World. It's Steve and my boy Al. What's up, man?
1: Not too much. Just another day in the life of uh, living in your boy Al shoes. The most
0: uh, fascinating experience. <laughs> well, if they made a documentary about you, I bet you'd be a hit.
1: You'd be amazed. I have already made a documentary about myself, so I plan on releasing it to the public at uh, some speaking, point
0: soon. Speaking of a hit, man, how excited are you about Oppenheimer?
1: Well, I cannot wait. Yeah, it comes out in, I think, exactly a month or a little bit less than a month.
0: Yeah, I think it's like the 20th or something. Yeah, I'm really excited. I saw a commercial for it while I was watching uh, the last fight. And, uh, man, I'm I'm just pumped. It's going to be so Uh, so awesome.
1: I think we plan on hitting the IMAX for that, don't we? Yeah, man. I'm I'm excited. It's going to be so good. Yes, looking forward to that. It'll be good.
0: (sighs) Very cool, very cool. Well, we're diving into a subject today that I'm very excited about. I know Alex is excited about it. We're going to be talking about parables. Ah, uh, specifically the parables of Jesus, the parables in 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 the Bible, and I think those have some um incredible lessons for us to learn today. Not only that, they're just like the prime example of fantastic timeless storytelling, and that's what we love to talk about here, so I, th- I think we're gonna have a good time with this one, don't you?
1: It's uh yeah, I'm really excited about it um from a lot of different aspects, I think just kind of an interesting way an interesting topic that we're going through with it is that it's a story within a story. You know, the Bible itself is Mm -hmm. just a story and everything that happens in it. But then when you also have Jesus, you know, telling his own stories and his own parables, um, it kind of adds that extra layer to it. Um, So not only can you diagnose what he's saying, but you can also diagnose what's going on at that time and why he's saying what he's saying. Um, So there's just a lot of aspects we'll cover, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it.
0: Yeah, and parables are really interesting. They, they actually you wouldn't think so, but they come along with a fair amount of controversy. Um, because there are um, for example, some people, uh, there's a, a really common notion that parables are uh told for the purpose of simplification. In fact, when Jesus is asked about that, it's the exact opposite. And, and we're gonna get into that, but but he actually answers. His disciples a lot of times with actually like and i'm just paraphrasing and, and saying this a little bit more colloquially but it's kind of like actually i told it this way because like some people are going to get it and it's actually going to confuse the people that aren't meant to get it and it's like what does that mean
1: yeah um, it's kind of wild we're going to
0: talk about that yeah it is wild especially and, and
1: then, when you hear people it's you hear people say a lot oh we spoke in parables yeah to, to make it simple for everyone to understand yeah it's uh just the total opposite at least in a few cases
0: yeah. And, and like what's easy or what's interesting is that it, in a sense, it was simpler for them to understand because the the stories were relatable, relatable. to yep. that culture. But just because it's relatable doesn't mean it's something that you resonate with uh, spiritually. And so it, it's not even even though the story is relatable, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to make sense. Um, and, and they're also controversial because there are some stories in the Bible uh, that some people think are parables and some people think they're not parables. And strangely enough, some people get really passionate about that. Like yeah. it really matters. <laughs> yeah. Like it, whether or not, you know, some of these stories were, were true, but even for the people that get passionate about that, it's not like they, they don't think that the ones that they're for sure are like, yeah. parables, like they have no problem with that. And so anyway, in the end, really whether interesting,
1: stuff. whether a parable is true or not too, in the end, it's, still a story meant to convey a meaning
0: mm-hmm. yeah well that's a good segue so why parables why are we talking about parables let's let's first talk about what what yeah. a, a parable is how do you define the term parable
1: i i know how you're going to define it so i'll try to tiptoe my way around it um <laughs> i would no i, I, mean, would, it's, I would define yeah, yeah a, a parable is um i'm not going to say this very um i guess i've not uh very tight with my words but it a parable, Look at it from the specs of Jesus talking um, through parables, is a means of communicating um, something spiritual. Um, yeah, I would say something spiritual, um, but using it in relative terms and relatable ways that the master everyone can understand because it relates to human experience around us, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. The way, that, uh, the way that I always heard it growing up, and I think this is just as good of a definition as, as any, uh, is that it's an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. And this is another one that's interesting because in a lot of these parables, you find people asking Jesus to clarify what he means, and then just a few verses down, he normally does. So mm. in most of these parables, you don't have to wonder what he's actually getting at. He explains the meaning of it. And a lot of times how this happens is the parable is told, in a way that everybody can hear. And then later on, you know, the disciples will sort of have Jesus to themselves again, and and they'll be like, okay, what what Uh, does that mean? And that's when Jesus tends to go in and and sort of explain, well, here's what these parables actually meant. So it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, but it's not as though we have to guess what the meaning is. Um, In many cases, Jesus tells us exactly what the meaning is. And um, nevertheless, as the Bible says, uh, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. So, um, I want to kind of go to you on this next point a little bit, and just, like, what, are, what is the importance of parables in storytelling and, and teaching lessons? I mean, do you think that do you, do you I mean, agree with the, the fact that the parable is a, is a good way to get an idea across? Do you think that this is a, a genre that more people should use more often? Or I don't know, just what are your thoughts as it yeah. relates to storytelling?
1: Yeah. The one thing that I think is super applicable, just uh, not talking about a specific parable or the spiritual essence behind it, but just the formatting of it. um, Very applicable to the day. I I think about, um, especially again, our relationships, whether it's at work or or for your spouse, a lot of times we tend to talk past each other have a difficult time understanding each other or um, maybe understanding where the other person's coming from. But If you can take the time and and space and really think about a way to share how you're feeling or a thought you have relatable to the other person. So say if um, you enjoy reading, uh, but your spouse enjoys sports and you're trying to have a discussion about something, you're frustrated about something and it's not working, come up with some type of story as it relates to sports and have the person really relate to that. And then at the end, kind of what Jesus did a lot at the end say, okay, well, how that applies to sports is exactly what's happening to me in this situation. And that kind of follows at least the formatting of a parable where Jesus will tell a story and you think, How the heck does does that relate to anything that either the disciples will ask, that people ask, or he'll explain himself, and then you see the linkage there. So I definitely think that um if not, you know, uh, exactly like it, um definitely the the principle of it and the and how it's and how it's presented can definitely be applied to what we use it for today.
0: Percent And uh, like the, the best way that I can describe this is that a parable makes the process of illustrating a concept a lot simpler.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And one of my marketing heroes, Russell Brunson, he talks about um, the idea of having an attractive character. So when you're doing marketing, you have an attractive character. And the attractive character is somebody that has, and, and the, the attractive character is not like, it's not making something up. It's more so thinking about intentionally how you plan to show up uh, when you're doing your marketing. And so, for example, an attractive character is going to have like four main elements, a backstory, uh, parables, polarity, um, and then there's another one, and it's slipping my mind. But so, basically, uh, a attractive character is going to be controversial. They're going to have um, stories that, you know, can relate the ideas that they want to teach to other people. Um, They're going to have an actual backstory themselves. And so like being able to utilize parables to illustrate a concept is so powerful. For example, um, let's say that, because this is an exact example that would come from, uh, would come from Russell. Um, He has this close that he likes to do in his sales presentations where he talks about uh, the concept of investment. And so what he wants people to understand is the concept that they're getting ready to spend money with him and that money is not a cost. It's an investment in the future. But he doesn't just say that, right? He doesn't just say it's an investment. Believe me. What does he do? He tells a parable because the parable illustrates the concept in a way that gives you the aha moment. It's like, I get this. And and so briefly, the parable that he tells to illustrate that particular concept is about this time when he was learning wrestling and he was working with his wrestling coach. And um, he uh, he comes, uh, his coach comes over and gives him like all these DVDs um, of, of specific yeah. matches that he needs to watch in order to learn how to do the thing. And before he leaves, he says, give me your wallet. And Russell's like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, huh, your wallet, I need your wallet. So he's like, okay. And so he has his wallet and I don't know how much it was, but he literally takes all the cash out of his wallet, folds the wallet back up and hands it back to him. It's like, okay, thanks. See ya. And he's like, wait, what just happened? Why did you just take all of my money? And he's like, because if I just gave it to you for free, you wouldn't take it seriously, but now you're invested. And so I know you're going to take it seriously and you're actually going to follow through and take these lessons to heart. And so that story is meant to illustrate the concept of, oh, if I invest in this thing, I'm actually going to care about mm-hmm. it. And it doesn't matter what it costs because if I get the result, then it was worth every penny. And yeah. so um, that's one example of how it like, crosses the, the bridge into my world of, of marketing. But I, actually, this is really helpful for me to even talk out, about out loud because I'm actually really bad, in my opinion, at coming up with illustrations off the top of my head or even thinking about them like even when preaching sermons and stuff like that. Whereas if I thought more in terms of parables from true experiences that I've had in my life, I think I could almost come up with that a lot easier than some random illustration. So it's kind of a neat concept if you think about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, it it can be applied, like what you said, you you applied it to... um a, uh, you know, in a strategic way, I applied it to a little, like in a personal way, it it can be applied in, in any way, even as like a mind exercise, if you're writing a blog post or an area of fiction, if you just want to try to think about what type of content am I writing, you you can actually go into, well, what parable would kind of fit this description or what type of like small lesson or story could this link up just to kind of, as a thought exercise on what type of content you're preparing.
0: Yeah. And there's, there's a really interesting framework. I'm glad you, you brought that up. There's a really interesting framework. Once again, it's kind of a, it's a Russell Brunson framework. <laughs> what can I say? Oh, he's a smart guy. Um, where it's actually his framework for teaching frameworks. And it always starts with a story about how you learned or earned it. Right. Rather than just getting into the strategy or the tactics, because that gets people invested. And so I venture to say that almost anything that you're getting ready to write, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, um you could actually first frame what you're getting ready to write the opinion that mm. you have about it or whatever in the context of a story now if it's fiction what's cool is that you get to make it up i mean in, in a sense yeah. you know you get to you get to actually come up with a cool scenario that people could relate to right that could actually map to the reality of whatever the lesson is that you want to teach um if it's nonfiction then it's kind of like a fun exercise. It's like, okay, I want to teach this concept of blank, be it investment or something in marketing or just, you know, some that's aspect me. of business, whatever it is that you want to teach people. Um, if you could think of a, a parable, a real life parable that you can tell in an intentional way to make the point that draws people into the story a lot more than just repeating facts. So it's definitely a flexible medium that's really powerful for today, for sure.
1: Absolutely. Um Yeah. Great. So talked a little bit about how it might apply to the day's life and some relatable things on it. But specifically talking about the parables, I will be talking to about the Bible, Steve. Uh, what are some just some general points or some uh, just an overview of the topic of the, the biblical version of the parables that we'll be speaking about?
0: Yeah. So there are a number of parables in the Bible, primarily when we're thinking of parables, although you do see a few in the Old Testament. Um, There's only a handful, and whereas for Jesus, it was like a central element of his teaching was being able to tell stories in parables. Now you might ask, well, I've never seen a parable in the Old Testament. Like, what's an example of that? Well, I'll just give you one. One example of a parable in the Old Testament is after David commits this horrible sin of adultery and murder in his arrangement with Bathsheba. The prophet uh, at the time, which was Nathan, comes to David and tells this story, this parable of uh, this uh, fictional scenario that sort of mirrors what happened in David's life. But again, because um, because it was he was sort of removed from the context, like he was looking at it as someone else's problem. David was getting mad, and he's like, "Whoever this guy is." I'm going to strip him of all his titles. I'm going to, he's going to repay back what he took fourfold. full. This, that, and the other thing, he was getting mad. And then uh, Nathan, the prophet looks at David and says, thou art the man. And it's like this, it's like this total mic drop moment uh, where David in that moment realizes that he majorly screwed up. And not only that, but he was being judgmental of somebody else who made a similar mistake. And so that's, 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 Actually, one of the most interesting, uh, I never thought about this before, but it's, it's really one of the most interesting examples of how directly applicable parables are to our situation. Like in that case, it was able to be immediately applied to that situation. It was really powerful. Uh, but Jesus utilized parables as a central part of his message. And um, a lot of them do have to do, they lived in an agrarian culture. OK, and so basically yep. what that means is their life was centered around agriculture, like literally their time and everything was like th- they, they thought about their time in terms of when the day began and when the day ended. And then they organized their year around um, times for sowing and then the time for reaping, which is harvest. And so everything they did was in this sort of agrarian culture, this agrarian economy. And so um, Many of Jesus' parables focuses on, or focus on on that. For example, there's one called the parable of the wheat and the weeds. There's one called the parable of the sower. One called the parable of the mustard seed. And these are some of the different ones we're going to talk about, but you can see sort of the agrarian themes in there. Um, another uh, another aspect of many of Jesus' parables uh, is the Jewish context that we find the New Testament writers in. This is one of my pet peeves <laughs> from a biblical perspective, is um, people really try to disconnect. And when I say people, I mean like from atheists to, to megachurch pastors, okay? So there's a, a wide spectrum of people who often try to disassociate the New Testament from the Old Testament for various reasons. And you can't do that. The New Testament is is... Um, overtly a Jewish document. We often think of it not that way because it's in the New Testament that we learn that the Gentiles have been invited in to take part in God's blessing and God's salvation and to come under uh, the rule and authority and and dominion of God again after being disinherited thousands of years ago at the Tower of uh, Babel. And so what we find is that whereas we typically think about them or the New Testament as being Gentile focused, um, Jesus's ministry was to the Jew first, and then mm-hmm. to the Gentile. Um, the Gospels are, are just rife with Jewish themes. Jesus is preaching and teaching. Jesus was a rabbi, for heaven's sake. Okay, and then it'd be tempting to think, oh well, when we when we get into Paul, we get into Paul's writing. Those are very anti-Jewish or whatever, but they're not Paul. Paul was a Jew trained under Gamaliel, who was one of the premier Jewish scholars of of the day. In fact, he was what they call a rabbit. He had a special title. He was very well respected. And um, Paul knew the law. Paul spent much ink talking uh, about, uh, in the early church, working out the relationship between the law and what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so I say all that to say that uh, many of the, the themes of the parables are not only agrarian in nature, but they're also very Jewish in nature. And they, they tackle um, uh, ideas of religion. They get into ideas of fatherhood and what, what that means. Um, that get, they get into the idea of like of investment. And if you know anything about Jewish economy, like money and investment and, and um, good stewardship were a big piece of, uh, what what they believed yep. in. And so the parables are inextricably linked to a lot of these different concepts and they're very diverse. And I'm, as you can tell, very excited to talk about them.
1: Yeah. And uh, I mean, you touched on a lot there, but that kind of, that kind of goes into a uh, So Steve and I have a process of uh, how we rate our movies um, by the meter meter. And if you haven't seen that episode, go check it out. It's a, it's a hoot and a holler, but we're kind of, we kind of broke down. We're not going to rate Jesus's parables on a meat scale. Um, That just seems a little bit wrong. But uh, as we uh, analyze each of the uh, uh, parables that we go through, we are going to look at a few different um, areas that we're going to focus on. Uh, The first one being what you kind of touched on a little bit is the context of it. Um, So um, you described, which is very helpful, kind of what the culture was like then. Uh, The civilization was like a lot of um, farming and agriculture, also obviously very Jewish, written by Jewish writers. Um, And so that... That obviously is a lot of context going into it. But then when we dig down into each specific parable, whatever is relevant to the context of whether it was who Jesus was speaking to at the time, what might have been happening around him, and then just the parable itself, um, we'll be digging into. So that's just one aspect of um, a couple more that we'll be looking at as well.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, So let's talk through, and we'll actually come back to that um, here in just a minute and talk through the, the, because we actually have three different sort of themes. That we're going to evaluate them by. Um, I thought briefly we would just kind of run through the actual ones that we're going to talk about. So you guys would sort of know um, what we were going to look at uh, or what to be looking forward to um, as we as we go through the next few weeks. And we haven't actually decided if we're going to do like one episode per parable or uh, two parables per episode. We haven't decided that yet. So um,
1: one long epic 10-hour one with all eight exactly exactly
0: uh so how about this we have some notes on the ones we're going to do how about we just go back and forth i'll let you start and just tell uh just very very briefly the good like start with that one i'll I'll go first because i did it it. i started to say it i'll go first we'll just go back and forth first one we're gonna do is the good samaritan this is found in luke uh chapter 10 verses 25 through 37 um it is a fantastic story. It has to do a lot with the uh, religious and cultural context of the day and talking about really who our neighbor is and who, um, what kind of people that we're supposed to love as followers of Jesus. And so I'm excited to talk about that one.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'm, I'm re- really excited about the second one. I feel like that. Um, so the prodigal son, um, found in Luke 15, 11 through 32. I feel like that this one um, kind of gets overlooked. It's almost like the common one that everyone knows. Um, so I'm really excited to dig into it and, you know, really. Look into its themes. It has a um themes of love, compassion, forgiveness, um unconditional love. there's just a lot going into that. So I'm excited to explore that one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Me too. And it's it's uh it's really interesting because there's there are multiple subjects of the prodigal son story. So yeah. anyway, so that's I'll that's begin. a little uh, wet your appetite for that one. I'm excited about that. Um the next one is the one the parable of the mustard seed. That's Matthew thirteen, thirty-one and thirty-two. Um, a shorter one for sure. Um, but it's got some very interesting themes. I don't want to give away too much here. Um, but there's, there's a question about like, because Jesus says like, this is the smallest of all the seeds and we kind of know that it's not the smallest of all the seeds. So how do we, Ooh, Bible contradiction. Ooh, what do we do about that? So uh, I'm excited to talk about that one.
1: Jesus must've lied, right? (laughs) He must've lied. (laughs) He's a liar. He's not the
0: God of the universe. He didn't even know that the mustard seed is not the smallest of all the seeds.
1: (laughs) anyway the the way you said that sound like it would become straight out of uh the Monty Python movie we <laughs> <You> didn't <laughs> yeah. even know it what was, was this the smallest one <laughs> yeah 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 Perfect. We're that one. <laughs> uh next one we'll talk about after that is the parable of the talents again another one that uh um very tr- people are fairly familiar with um it, it's a teaching that can be both applied i think to uh um to money being very um yeah, wise with the money that you have, but also um, to uh, the skills, the blessings that God has given you, um, time management. Um, it really can be applied to everything. Um, mm-hmm. So that will be a, another good one that that we go through.
0: Yeah, I quite love that the King's English uh, says talent there. And so like that word has been popularized. Mm-hmm. But then in modern day, when we say the word talent, we mean something different. But it's so cool that you can actually apply the story oh, to all of those meetings, And so I can't wait to talk about that. That'll be fun. Absolutely. So the next one we're going to cover is the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And I have to be honest, when I saw this one, like when I I was going through and I was looking at some of the different parables, I thought, man, you don't really think about this. Like this one doesn't seem to come up that much. But what's cool about it, and this is in Matthew uh, 13, 24 to 30. This one is actually a really uh, uh, interesting teaching directly from the mouth of Jesus that addresses the problem of evil. And we talk about the problem of evil a lot in apologetic circles, and that is the defense of the the truth of God's word and uh, really the defense of the Christian worldview. And there's a lot of opinions about the problem of evil, but you almost never hear people bring up where Jesus strictly addresses it. And so I'm excited to talk about that. I think it'll be really eye opening for people, especially if they're not familiar with this one, because it's one of the lesser known parables for sure.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. And we were both kind of uh, stopped in our tracks trying to think about what that was, what that one was. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. And the next one after that. Uh, so it would be the parable of the sower. I uh, found a mark four one through 20. Um, it's actually it's one of the one. longer ones by verse. Um, yeah, it, it's a really good one. It's uh, it. It'll be fun to dive into. Um, again, I'll, I'll be uh, the context of it and the other themes that we're going to explore, because I feel like a lot of times this one turns into your typical Sunday morning sermon, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I'm sure a little bit of that will come up while we're talking about but it'll be good to kind of analyze it from a story perspective and and look at it for the parable that it is. So I'm excited for that.
0: Yeah, it'll be good. It's another one where there's actually some controversy around how to interpret it. There's a lot of people Mm who are, um, yeah, just a lot of disagreement on how to interpret it. A lot of disagreement about what it, or maybe not disagreement, but misconception about what it means. So it's another really good one. Awesome. Yep. So um, the unmerciful servant, this is another one that actually does not come up very often. And I actually, our, uh, my pastor preached on this. Um, oh, man, I don't know. It's been, a, it's been a few months now. But he preached on it, and I was like, man, I forgot about that. It's so yeah. good. Um, it, it, it's a really good one. And basically just gets into the concept of how, how we're often so willing to, un, uh, well, we so very much desire forgiveness and mercy from other people. But we're so slow to dole it out to other people and so it's a again i hope you see that all of these are very very uh important lessons that will have something for us in the uh like today it's not just a bible story right it's a very important lesson and uh by the way this one is in matthew 18
1: uh 21 through 35 so the unmerciful servant should be a good one. excellent and uh the final one the eighth one that we'll be covering is a another one that's uh up for debate and arguments and fighting and wailing and gnashing of teeth <laughs>
0: yeah, the, uh, <laughs> nice. yeah see what you did there
1: So the, yes i did yeah the uh the rich man and lazarus i uh, found luke sixteen nineteen through 31 um, um it, that's going to be a fun one i think it's a great one to kind of end the series on too. um to dig into that yeah
0: i i can't agree more um you'll just have to wait and see what all the controversy and all the fuss is about you wouldn't think these simple stories told to a uh you know Agrarian culture uh, would would have so much uh, controversy and so much like hoopla about them, but they really do, and and it's it's and none of it is trivial. It's all very important, um, and and worth discussing. You know, so that should be really cool. So okay, so um, let's talk about how we're going to actually go through these. You already mentioned about the uh, historical context piece of it, and I I uh, spent no little time going through how we were going to approach that. Uh, why don't you tell us about the other lenses through which we're going to actually explore these parables?
1: Yeah, so we've uh, we've touched on the historical context, and then really the ne- the next two categories are uh, spiritual, the spiritual and the actual spiritual mor- moral teachings that Jesus was trying to communicate to those he was speaking to, um, and of course um, whoever the writer was of the book, you know, including that and and what what the spiritual lesson is, and then the third one is. Uh, shying away a little bit from the specific uh spiritual lesson and just what we can get out of it universally so if you're not a christian even um how can you apply maybe that story or the lesson that's taught to your everyday life or uh Mm -hmm. or with your family or something that maybe you can help yourself internally um so we're gonna look at the context of it we're gonna look at the actual spiritual teaching that jesus was trying to or that he did communicate and then um just the general um, how we can apply it to our our lives today. Yep.
0: And I I can't wait for that because, um, one of the most interesting things, the more I read the Bible and I say this, having been a Christian for a very long time now, um, the more I read the Bible, like the less need I actually find for other self-help books and, and all of that, because it's, it's like, if you you would just do what the Bible says, even if you don't want to be a Christian, like, and I I hate to say that because I want you to be a Christian. If you're not following Jesus, then you need to be following Jesus. But like. Even if you approach it from a purely pragmatic standpoint, you'll be doing life better <laughs> than the tens of thousands of people who just ignore the Bible and treat it as thousands of year old ancient gobbledygook. It's very much not that. Um, all of your favorite self-help and personal development authors took their ideas from the Bible. Sorry, they just did. So um, I think these parables are a obvious place where many of those themes come out and because I do actually love self-help and personal development. I'm really excited to talk through how these themes sort of underlie all of that. So
1: it's uh, going to be good. That's uh, another topic all on its own. It's just the uh, the Bible life lessons through the Bible, just simple stuff without even looking at uh, the, mm-hmm. the quote unquote Christian side of things. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, good yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah. So, Steve, what what's the goal of this series? What what do we want for you and I? What do we want for people listening to this? What's kind of the the ultimate purpose of going through this series?
0: Yeah. Well, um, I feel like the, the Christian and gospely answer would be, uh, to introduce, <laughs> would be to introduce people to Jesus. Um, and in a way that is friendly and approaching and deals a lot with what he actually says, um, instead of just people's opinions about him, it's like, what did Jesus, like, how did Jesus actually think the world worked? Um, and also just because, you know, this is a very unique podcast, which if you listen to, you already know that. Um, <laughs> um it it's kind of like where where is the intersection in storytelling and uh even business and um the the biblical worldview like there's actually a lot like we were just saying that the bible speaks to that you wouldn't think about like you can really learn a lot about how to be wealthy how to be wise how to have a great marriage you can learn a lot of practical benefits even if you're not a christian From engaging with the Bible, and so that's one of the big things that I really hope that uh, you'll you'll gain from this. Um, And then also, we're just kind of like, you know, me and me and Alex are both Christians, and we find that this is the way to live, and this is the way to life. And um, it's not only the way to do life; it is the way to have life. And so we would be remiss not to uh, start focusing a little bit more of our content around that because it's such a unifying point. Like the Bible acts sort of like this glue that holds all these other ideas that we like to talk about together. And I think parables are just a really great illustration, ironically, of the glue of just living well, um, following Jesus, telling great stories, being successful in your endeavors in life and business. The parables talk about all of those things and and hold them together in a really unique way. So I'm pretty pumped about it.
1: I think you uh, said it good just about um, us uh being a christian is not something that steve and i do it's something that is like it is life itself and it and so being able to explore the parables and steve and i have lord willing quite a few years left ahead of us um we just find the stories in the bible so interesting and exciting and it's um like it it just speaks a lot of truth and is and is alive for us and so it'll be fun to really be able to talk about these and dig into other subjects as we keep going on while also mixing in our marketing and our fictional and our fun movie time so uh um yeah. yeah i'm i'm really excited about this series i think it'll be it'll be good
0: yeah i mean to me reading the bible um and i didn't always approach it this way in fact uh i actually wrote a book called the bible isn't <laughs> boring um because I'm trying to convince it yourself. Is. Yeah, well, no, I mean, just you know, it's so easy to fall into the trap of thinking that the Bible is boring. Mm-hmm. But the Bible is like a mix of reading the best, um the best personal development, the best self-help, the best uh fantasy novels, the best science fiction, utopia, like all of that. The Bible is like if you if you just read it. It's the best of all of those things in in one book that just so happens to hold in my view the key to life yeah. also um and so it's like it's just an amazing book that you should all start engaging with, and I hope parables are going to be sort of a nice little entry point into like starting to see that and appreciate the Bible for what it is so that I'm excited about that
1: and interesting too, I think it's um helpful for Christians too, like what you said who find the Bible. Sad to say, but just kind of like stagnant at times, it's hard to get into. But also for non-Christians, like there are secular colleges out there that have courses examining the Bible um, from a, a fictional lens. Now, like we used uh-huh. to, obviously, we, we see it as the full truth. But at the same time, though, that's that's how much story is in the Bible and how exciting it is. There are actually courses out there that view it as a storytelling book, which is exactly what it is. Um well,
0: look at look at somebody like Jordan Peterson. Now, Jordan Peterson is just a really interesting cookie, right? Because at this point, <laughs> his daughter has actually bridged the gap to belief yeah. in God, and um ironic that he is Jordan is adamant that the Bible is pretty much the most important work of literature ever written. He is adamant about the fact that you you can't even understand modern contemporary culture without understanding the Bible. He's more what, passionate
1: about the Bible than a lot of Christians are.
0: Than a lot of Christians. And I I think uh, now I you know uh, you know I don't want to speak for Jordan Peterson although our our current 31 subscribers on YouTube do not even compare to his gazillions. And so I don't think we're in danger of um putting words in his mouth and getting in trouble here. Uh but Unless, unless
1: Jordan Peterson is one of our thirty-one subscribers, unless he is, in which case,
0: joke. Jordan, hi, that's, that's not, amazing. Uh, but uh, I think it would be fair to say that uh, uh, that Jordan would advise structuring your life around what the Bible says to do. In other words, I I think he's just about as accepting of the biblical stories as a as a true way of living just he just he he actually like I remember a, a particular interview or or video of him literally like crying thinking about the possibility that it's so extraordinary that he doesn't know what someone would do if they were to actually believe it <laughs> you know, yeah. and so he so deeply believes in living that way that it like he, he's almost overwhelmed at the thought of of being a Christian and actually accepting that it's not only a, it's not only the way to live, but it, but that Jesus is true and that he is truth and that he is the way. And so it's really interesting to see someone sort of teeter on that on that line between accepting that Jesus is who he is uh, versus, you know, not actually accepting that truth, but but living. As though it is true. So, yeah. really fascinating. Very stuff, interesting. Man.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a he's a good one to listen to just to get that perspective.
0: Yep, yep. And I'm not going to agree with everything he says uh, about it, but it's really interesting how how much more seriously he takes it than a lot of people do. So, this is not a Jordan Peterson episode, but if you want to look at somebody who accepts the Bible for for what it is and takes it seriously, even who doesn't bridge all the way to the religious side of things, it's it's uh, you know he's a good one to follow and to check out. So.
1: Excellent. Uh, before we get into our um, story of the week, if you're if you're new to this, we always provide our little story of the week where we deep from the path and just have fun with it. Um, just a, a reminder, um, we would love to answer questions that anyone has. So if you have a question about yeah. a particular parable that you're going through, or if you want to see a certain topic come up or just a personal question for me and Steve, put it in the comments. Um, let us know. Um, feel free to give in your input. We're always looking at any comments that you have. So um, definitely do that.
0: 100 percent yeah we would love some engagement believe it or not comments on our youtube channel um and i know a lot of you listen on audio but the comments on our youtube channel like that's a great way to show youtube that you love this content and that you would like for more people to see it um i'm encouraged alex because in recent days we've got a little influx of subscribers and um some some comments on videos and stuff and i think what we're finding is is that the more that we find our audience like once we actually get in front of the right people they're really glad yeah found absolutely. So it just takes it just takes a minute to to sort of find the people who are interested in the sort of connections that we're making um but hey once well you know once we find them it's like they're really enjoying it so if that's you if you're listening to this please share with others um and, and help us find more of our people
1: yeah absolutely yeah i mean if you made it this far you probably are steve and alex you are us and we are you <laughs> and so if you have made it this far um that's scary get get, get your friends involved um like it, you just Share the podcast. Talk about it um, because we're all in it together. And yeah, anyway. Amen. Yeah. All right, Steve. Absolutely. Story of the week. You go first. Story of the week.
0: I'll go first. Okay. So um, I'm super pumped. I have pre-ordered it. I almost never pre-order books. But I have pre-ordered the biography of Elon Musk that has been written by Walter Isaacson. Now, do you know? Who Walter Isaacson
1: is? I don't think so, no. Wow. Okay. So, God, it doesn't ring a bell, at least.
0: So he's a tech guy, but also one of the premier biographers of our day. He's written a biography on Steve Jobs. That's probably what he's most famous for. He's written a biography on Ben Franklin. He's written one on um, Leonardo da Vinci.
1: Yeah. So I've read and a couple so get- of his books. I just, yeah, name escaped me. Uh-
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so um I listened today, it's on YouTube, there's a video which is it's just the audio but but it's on YouTube of a Twitter spaces that um, Isaacson was on with some people uh discussing this book and boy was it fascinating. It was so good I immediately went and pre-ordered it. I'm so excited. He got to spend I I don't, I, I was kind of catching bits and pieces I want to, but I could be wrong about this. Don't hold me to this. But I want to say that he spent the better part of the last three years essentially following wow. Elon Musk around in his daily life with like unprecedented access. That's cool. like it was that crazy of a project. Like he was talking through all of the stuff about the tw- like the t- like the Twitter acquisition and everything. He was there for all of that and and well. Beyond that, and really got to interact with what it's like to be this person, to be Elon Musk. And it was so fascinating because he even was quick to say, like, yeah, there's like going to be political disagreements and everything that I have. But he was so enthralled with this man who became the subject of his biography that all of that stuff, I want to say, it just took a total backseat. Any of the political stuff took a backseat. It was just like, you know, imagine a man who was so truly motivated by his mission. Like, one of the coolest little, little, nuggets that i got was that the mission like, because we talk about this in marketing like in marketing and modern business literature there's a lot of talk about being mission-minded and being purpose driven and all of that stuff but walter said that f- for elon it's like the the money the economics like none of that was the primary driver in fact it wasn't even a consideration <laughs> as to like how how things were going to happen in other words elon says okay in order for humanity to to survive we have to become multiplanetary." okay <laughs> now what does that mean and then you start doing that so that's the mission that's the mission how do we get multiplanetary? and not only is he apparently and all this is in the book and i'm so excited not only is he apparently able to like literally think that many steps ahead like thinking about tesla And creating electric cars. It's not just, oh, where's the electric car? It's, I need to be thinking about how to build the system to mass produce the thing that's going to be big in six or seven years. And then along the way, and this was the cool insight, along the way, the monetization piece of it falls into place. And so he figures out a way to get the money for the mission after he's already started putting the pieces together to make the mission work. Like Starlink, just you know getting with a goal of getting like five percent of global internet market share with a satellite internet service and then being able to do the like that literally was just a byproduct of this idea about going to mars and making humanity multiplanetary. not to mention the contracts um that he's got with nasa to like and, and the international space station and all of that stuff like so like it's like the monetization came along the way in the pursuit of the mission it wasn't like the primary driver or even a consideration until the mission had gotten moving, which I appreciate. The reason I appreciate that is because I am a ready fire aim kind of guy. And so I love having an idea, executing on it, and then iterating and figuring things out. And so it's kind of nice to hear that literally the richest and arguably most important figure on planet Earth is also that way. So that kind of <laughs> gives me a, a little a little bit of validation. So I've I'm always so thought you looked I
1: always thought you looked a little like Elon too. So, you know,
0: I mean, who knows? Maybe I'm next.
1: Maybe I'm next. Strikingly uh AI um, this about you. It must be Yeah.
0: It's yeah, yeah, this. must must be that. So <laughs> yep.
1: All uh, right, Alex. Excellent. So I'm not gonna pretend I know everything that's going on in that's okay. In Nobody Russia. does. Nobody does. Um I but I know some, and I think I possibly know enough. But so the Wagner group, have you read up on this or heard about like the recent yeah. things about it? So, oh, yeah. It's just Are so just what an interesting thing that's happening in Russia where they, if my understanding is correct, like the Wagner group basically worked for Russia since like 2013 or 14. And then all of a sudden um, there was just a a revolt and they just turned on Russia. And apparently the news that I heard recently now is that for whatever reason, Putin has dropped. Draw- I don't know how he word it, but drop the charges against the Wagner group or something and is trying mm-hmm. to like maintain peace. I think, I think Putin is, is, is in a little bit of, I wouldn't necessarily say panic mode, but I think the reality of just the whole situation is settling in on him, knowing that like it's going to come yeah. to a headway at some point. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm scared about it. I use the term lightly, but it's kind of scary too, thinking. Of how this all will end, a lot of people saying that the, the worst outcome is that Russia actually like loses or is embarrassed um, for either Putin and his end of life, what else he might try to do, or for the next guy to take over him, or if Putin yeah. dies, what type of uprising is going to happen there? Who else is going to be Who is going to be behind the nuclear button at that point? So just a lot of interesting stuff going on. Again, it it, it doesn't it doesn't scare me. Everything's in God's hands, and everything will all work itself out. But it's sure. yeah, I just find it very interesting all of a sudden going on there. And I don't know when it's going to resolve itself. I don't know if it'll be in a year or in five years, but at some point
0: mm-hmm.
1: this whole conflict for the most part is going to come to an end and it'll just be, I have no idea where it's going to end up.
0: Yeah. Well, what's so interesting is like, it's not as though like, let's say that this guy's revolt had worked, the Wagner group. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't necessarily be a good thing for these guys to be in charge of Russia because oh, and exactly. purposes they're just as bad, if you will. I, I mean,
1: my understanding understand is, is that I don't know about now, but at least it used to be. I think the Weynder groups mercenaries are like criminals. I want to say, like, given, yeah, I don't know if you want to call it a second chance or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, but I found it funny because yesterday I at lunch I was like, I, you know, I normally watch YouTube at lunch because I just try to wind down. And sometimes it's a business yeah. thing, but sometimes it's it's not. And um, so Ben Shapiro was on, and I was so intrigued by the thumbnail and the title because it's exactly how I felt, and it was. It was something to the effect of nobody knows what the heck is going on in Russia. And so he opens it up like that, you know, Ben Shapiro. He's a little he's kind of funny ah, yeah. about some anyway. Yeah, he's yeah. like he's right. like, okay, so here's the deal. Nobody has any clue what's going on in Russia. <laughs> yeah. Like it was just really funny you know, because I know it's funny. how everybody
1: feels. I say that. Absolutely. <laughs> so have you it's ever seen hilarious. hilarious. Have you seen the Daily Wire radio? Purely uh for fun. No uh no knowledge gained from this uh youtube video but i think it was a year or so ago maybe um where they did the escape room based off of the movie i haven't yeah. watched the movie but um so it's uh matt walsh um uh what's his name is it uh, uh Claven? clavin yes clavin, yeah. clavin. So, andrew clavin so, so walsh and Claven go into uh this escape room together and do it and michael Knowles and ben shapiro go in the same escape room and they see who's faster with it yeah, it's just like 20 to 30 of just straight up laughing. It's just so funny the whole time. It's well worth it. I got
0: to check watch. that out.
1: I got to check really that out. Good. I put it on my watch later for several months, and finally I got to it. I'm glad I did. It was good.
0: I think they, not to make this uh, about the Daily liar, but I think they actually did a Twitter uh, video um, tonight. They did one of their backstage, Daily Liar backstage things, and yeah. they did this one on Twitter. Um and I think, yeah, I'll have to I'll have to find um I'll have to find where it is, but I am pretty sure that yeah, there it is backstage. Yep, they were they're discussing all of the most recent stuff, like the Russian coup, the Hunter Biden stuff. It's hour and fifteen minutes and it's right there on Twitter. So anyway, I'm gonna watch that later. I'm pumped
1: about it. So have you ever seen Matt Walsh smile? Never. I don't think he's ever smiled. I don't think I've he's seen smiles. him in like little behind the scene clips with him and his family else and elsewhere. And in... yeah,
0: that's probably it.
1: You Just never see him smile. I
0: wouldn't, I wouldn't smile if I had to cover the stuff that he does on a regular oh, boy. basis.
1: You know what? Like, anyway, it, I can't imagine being stuck in that world, either the world of where you just, re- your life revolves around the news cycle or mm-hmm. the, if you're in that political structure, even if you're not a politician, if you are, you know, working, um, in the government, helping politicians or this or that, it just, I just yeah. know, that would be a. I'm sorry if I offend anyone out there. It would just be rough for me. That'd be rough for yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's true. No, it's it's true. And I
0: actually I actually admire him quite a bit. Um, if you if you see, uh, any of his live talks or anything like that, like a lot of times he'll end them with like a, a plea, and um, again without without getting overly you know political about things here, you know it's like, um. He actually demonstrates, even though I've never seen him smile, he actually demonstrates a true compassion for people as a result of his worldview, yeah that um you know, I'll just say it it's you can tell the the companies who actually care about people versus they take the month of June as Pride month as an opportunity for marketing mm-hmm. because August first or July first rather, all that stuff comes down. It's back to business as usual, you know, it's, it's, and you can tell, you can tell when the stuff is real and genuine, when there's real and genuine care or when there's marketability and profit at the, at the core of it. And um, anyway, I, so I do want to appreciate and, and sort of give an apologetic, if you will, for Matt Walsh. I think he's a lot more of a compassionate and caring person than most people give him credit for. And I think you'd almost have to be to deal with some of what, yeah. He has to deal with the death threats, the threats on his family, the doxing, the you, oh my gosh, you just hate me, where he, when he knows that that's not true. Yeah. And so, um, I don't want to say that he's like a martyr. I mean, who knows? He, for all intents and purposes, he could be doing it for, um, you know, for public recognition, which I highly doubt. I don't get that sense, but, um, it, it's just interesting. I, I really think he's a caring person. And so, even though he may be a little brash, I think it's part of the, the personality, I think it's part of the brand. Uh, but at the end of the day, he cares, and I think a lot of these people, these political commentators, uh, care. Um, and you wouldn't normally think about them that way, but they're very caring people and they have real feelings and they don't do what they do for fame and fortune. Um, I think they do what they do because they really care about people and that sets them apart. So,
1: Well said, Steve.
0: All right, my friend. This has been a good one. I'm excited to dig into some more parables. And yeah, um, yeah let's let's dive in. This should be a fun series.
1: Absolutely. Always nice. Always good talking to you, Steve.
0: Later, my friend.